0: On The screen, and if you want to follow it in the Bible, it is page 271. It was a certain man from Ramathayim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite, He had two wives, one was called Hannah and the other one Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year After year, when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son... Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Only the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Anna, and the Lord remembered her. So, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, Shmuel, saying, "Because I asked the Lord for him." This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Andrew. Robin, we you like to come on. We'll pray for Robin before he speaks to us.
1: Father, we thank you for Robin and for the words you have given him to speak to us this week. Lord, may we listen and hear what you have to say to us. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, you, Steve. Well, thank you for letting me intrude into your service from the more traditional one. Tonight, uh, sorry, this morning is going to be a bit more traditional, I suppose, than perhaps you're used to. thank you anyway for the privilege I have of speaking this morning. Can I ask you one question? Do you realise that every one of us here has something in common? I thought you'd all be nodding. Yes, of course we have. Yeah, we've got something in common. What have we got in common? We've all had a mother. Absolutely right. That's terrific. Some of us have good memories of mothers and some bad. I know that. But... What I've tried to do this morning, I think under God's guidance in preparation, is that this is not just for the mothers of our congregation, otherwise i would only be speaking to perhaps a row full of you this morning. All I'm going to say this morning is for everyone. The lessons we're going to learn from Hannah and from Eli and from Elkanah, it's for us all, and that's the way I want to look at it, please, if I may. In history, incredibly, Mother's Day started with Julius Caesar. Now, how many of you knew that? Well, nor did I until last week. He apparently thought that motherhood came from the planets and would thank certain planets for their motherhood. How absurd can you get? Well, Julius Caesar was absurd anyway. We know that. Then we know that in the early church, in the Roman church as it was then, They started a Mother's Day, and that still goes on, of course, but very much like as we celebrate this morning. The Americans have a Mother's Day, but that's not till May the 8th. So if you want to have another celebration, go out to New York eh, on May the 8th, and you can visit that there. We in the Protestant Church didn't have Mothering Sunday until 1935. That's before most of us were born, I think. Just about. So it's a fairly recent thing. But in fact, I hope this morning is not just about mothers, it's about us all. In the police service, I would guess that most of my days on the beat and most of my colleagues today deal with domestic disputes more than anything else usually between husband and wife, but often between parents and children, children and parents and so on. I was in Mosside for more years than I remember, really, but certainly every single year, without exception, I had to deal with a murder on Christmas Day. And one in particular I remember was a dispute between husband and wife, which was very, very violent to the point that the lady took her daughter and ran off to the woman's refuge which she knew was there in Side. Sadly, her husband, guessed right, knew where she went and he then went down to the refuge and set it on fire which killed his wife and his daughter, two other ladies in the refuge and injured others before the fire brigade and the police could get them out. So in a sense, I've got a tainted mind about what Mothering Sunday is all about and what parents ought to be but sadly what most parents, many parents are not in love with the children. So domestic disputes, domestic violence are part of life and that's very sad. We read about it, do we not, daily in the newspapers. This morning we're going to read of the miracle of what God can do in a family where things are not right, and yet put right by God. I've called this, no one is excluded, everyone's included. That includes all of us men, it includes ladies who've never had children, it includes us all if we've had a bad home life, because God understands, and he looks into our lives and looks into our homes. So let's look, shall we, to the home of Hannah and her husband, Elkina. Uh, They lived in Ramah, which was about five miles north of Jerusalem. She had, uh, this is Hannah, had another person to contend with, Penina. Fancy Elkina having two wives. One's enough. (laughs) We all know that. But in those days, it was socially acceptable to have more than one wife. How on earth does a man cope with that? Please don't let that come back again. I am very happy with the one wife I've got. Thank you very much. Now, in this marriage, Panina is actually seen as a known, and the word is there, the rival to Hannah. And it was an awful dispute because Elkanah had given two children to his second wife, but Hannah had none. So you can see there was a rivalry. You can see there would be a jealousy. You can see there would be a pride on behalf of the second wife who'd got the children. But let's go through this story and we'll see how things change. Elkanah, as with all men, were obligated to go to the temple three times a year and make sacrifices and worship. And we read here that Hannah and Penina would accompany him. That would be part of the ritual three times a year. So let's look at the wider situation, not just in the Hannah household. I think we've got to ask ourselves, and we've already prayed this through this morning, do we ever irritate other people? And if so, why? And can that not be healed? Are we irritated by other people? It's, I, I'm as well yes I get irritated as a motorist when people cut me up having been trained as a police driver most people haven't been trained as police drivers and I must admit I have to repent time and time again sitting behind a steering wheel but that's not this morning the wider situation here is this it's evident that Hannah and the other wife Panina accompanied by Elkanah on his regular visits to the temple. Although Elkanah cheated his wives, I suppose with a sort of equanimity really, but he didn't understand Hannah. And husbands, we've got to learn this if we haven't already. When our wives are down, we ought to ask why put our arm around them and pray with them certainly we have to do that in our house but he says these stupid things why are you weeping why don't you eat why are you downhearted don't i mean much to you so he's really actually looking at himself and saying come on i'm what about me and he didn't really understand what it was that was troubling hannah on this particular occasion, which is recorded in Scripture, when she and the other two went up to the temple, and there's Eli the priest on duty inside the door. Now, he's another one who didn't understand Hannah. Isn't it annoying when you've got something in your mind and you feel irritated by it, but people don't understand what it is you're going through? Well... Not only did he have no understanding, he had no sympathy. He saw Hannah praying. She wasn't actually speaking out loud, but her lips were moving. And Eli thought she was drunk. He called to her, you're drunk. How long do you hope to keep this up? Sober up woman. What a way for a priest to say to one of his parishioners. Here's a devout woman praying and he didn't even recognize what she was doing. I said this in my preparation. Surely it's better to have a heart without words than to have words without a heart. It's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. The thing was, Hannah felt powerless. And when we are at the lowest ebb, as Paul was when he had that thorn in the flesh, it's then when we feel so powerless that we know the power of God available to us. So look at Hannah's dedication. Now, she could have burst out at Eli for failing to understand. She could have shouted at her husband, you don't understand, but she didn't. She really could have lost her cool. She could have sent her other wife to Coventry, which is a modern expression. She found a way through the fog of confiding in God. She could, of course, have accused God for failing to answer her prayers, I hope we've never done that. Yes, sometimes prayer takes a while to be answered. But God knows best. He always knows the end from the beginning. We should understand that. But Hannah was able to keep calm. And she said to Eli, the priest, something like this. No, sir. Please, I'm just a troubled and misunderstood woman. I haven't been drinking. I've not taken a drop. The only thing I've been doing is pouring out my heart and pouring it out to God. Please don't think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and thereby in such pain that I've stayed here so long. Can you imagine her saying that? She's pleading for herself for a moment, but to explain to Eli what she was doing. Incredibly, Eli, the priest, having misguided, mis, misjudged her, realized his dreadful mistake. And you can hear him saying apologetically, Go in peace, may God hear your prayer. We're not always priests ourselves in that sense, but surely we're sometimes the confidant. And we perhaps misjudge some people when things aren't going so well. We say to somebody, good morning, how are you? And we don't really listen to the reply. And it may be we're not very honest in our reply because we all say, yes, I'm all right, thank you. Somehow we've got to have that deeper heart and be like Eli who suddenly realized he'd made a terrible mistake. So Hannah was in Shiloh up at the temple with her misguided husband. Although he loved her, he didn't understand her. Her sad face, he suddenly realized, had changed because Hannah was praying. I've seen people in my job, sad people, sad homes, but Christian folk. And it is amazing the change in expression when prayer is made and when prayer is answered. This is exactly what happened to Hannah. So that people will say, what's happened? That's exactly what her husband said. What's happened to you? And Hannah went up and worshipped again in the temple the next day. And she and her husband returned to Kirama. The renewed Hannah very soon was pregnant. So that's Hannah's dedication to God. Hannah's prayer. It's worth spending some time considering how Hannah approached God remember I said that this is for everyone and no one's excluded so this is the sort of prayer we could all make she said oh Lord God almighty she recognized the almighty God I hope we never underestimate who God is and what he can do I have to keep reminding myself, and I've had to in my career, that God has loved the whole world. I know at the moment there's a real anti-Muslim feeling, both here and elsewhere, and certainly in the Middle East. But God loves every Muslim. Don't forget that. And every Hindu and every Sikh, anybody who's not religious at all. God so loved the world that he gave his only son Gave him for us as well. Oh, Lord Almighty, her reverence for God. Then she said, if only you would look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant. That's a recognition that God is actually in control. Then she said, give her, give me a son. And it's almost a bargain here. She sought this as her promise. If you give me a son, I will give him to you for all his life. It's almost a dangerous thing to say to God, if, then I. And I'm sure some of us have done that. But God won't have broken his promise. I wonder if we've ever broken ours having said something to him that we'll give this to you, we'll do this for you, and then we've not actually done it. When we pray, are we really conscious of our Holy Father, giving him the due reverence? He is the Almighty and not the Almighty. We mustn't diminish who he is. Do we really spend time being honest with God, pouring out our hearts to him? when we pray are we specific enough yes he knows our hearts and our minds and he wants to share all our thoughts and our problems with him and I hope we're able to be open with him how much time do we spend with him during the day specifically for him personally I like to do it very early in the morning before the phone starts ringing before I've got to get a train to London Some other people like to do it during the day and some in the evening. But I think every day, God deserves time, our time with him. That's when we meet him. That's when we see him at work. And do we ever bargain with God? Prayer does not make God see things as we see them. It helps us to see the way God sees them. And that's an expansive mind. If we're not careful, we limit God to what we think can happen. God is unlimited. He does things his way because he sees the bigger picture. So no one is excluded today. Mothers, ladies, gentlemen, children. We're here because of a relationship with God. And when we take that relationship to an intimate level... It bonds us not only to his presence, but daily, constantly, to his strength. So Hannah's promise, we've mentioned the bargain. It was actually a promise. I probably demeaned her by saying it's a bargain with God, but this is the truth of it. She called this one son that she had Samuel heard by God and if you look at the next chapter in Samuel chapter 2 notice the changed hand she's overjoyed that God's answered her bleeding and was able to honour the promises she made to God and God's promise in the next chapter is simply this those who honour me I will honour how much do we honour God? Allowing him to honor us in his way. That's not earthly um, accolades. We don't accept we shouldn't be looking for praise. But in God's way, he wants to use us so he can honor us. Provided we put him number one in our life. I believe that God in heaven has a different time scale from us. Doesn't it speak about his day being a thousand years and the other way around a thousand years just a day? got to recognize that but i believe also in scripture that it teaches us to be persistent in prayer you probably know about our son and his death but we pray every day for that man who was convicted of killing him and we'll keep on praying we long to see that man trusting god we need to be persistent in prayer we need to be patient in prayer wait for that answer And in praying, pledge ourselves to God in prayer and be pleased with the answer. Well, now, that's the difficult part. Sometimes God answers us in a way that we wouldn't expect. We might even think we're disappointed. But don't forget, the Almighty God knows the end from the beginning. So let's be pleased with the answer that he gives us, just as Hannah was. It's not unnatural to be as sad as Hannah was but unfortunately I believe we are misunderstood by others by our attitudes when we should be always determined to allow others to see on whom we're really relying which is our God. We're accountable to God, our Father. We've committed ourselves to the Lord Jesus and we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit I believe we must give him our best for his highest give him our best for his highest let's pray Father we thank you for that story of Hannah we thank you for her commitment to you, her patience with you thank you gracious Lord that she honoured the pledge she made with you Lord this is a lesson for all of us not just for mothers who are dedicated to children but to all of us in your family in our family here at home may we honor each day you father as the almighty and accept and be pleased with the way in which you deal with us we pray this in Jesus name Amen